This is Belinda, and you are listening to Swear to God. This episode has more emotion behind it than I wanted it to have. And because of that, I think I rambled a little bit and I cried a little bit and I didn't get to say everything that I wanted to say. So I'll definitely have another episode that talks a little bit more about my parents and my home life and growing up and things like that. However, I'm going to leave this episode as authentic and genuine as it is because I feel like it's super relatable and I shared so much emotion during it that I don't want y'all to miss out on the raw realness of what it is. So this is about me growing up and my parents and things like that. So I hope you enjoy. It's funny when people think about me, they don't really think about like my childhood because honestly, I think it might be because I got married when I was 15. So I really didn't have much of a like teenagerhood or anything like that. I grew up pretty fast because I got married and I had my son. But whenever it comes to my childhood, it is also very different than what most people have. So most people have a dad and a mom and they raise them and sometimes they don't live in the same house, but most of the time they're both in their life or sometimes they have a single parent. And in my case, my dad was in my life until I was about nine or 10 and my grandparents raised me from there. But like my dad was into drugs. He did a lot of drug dealing and he was just a drug guy like i don't i don't <laughs> i don't know how to explain that other than he was just in that lifestyle and because of that lifestyle and because of the way i saw his life turn out and i saw how he was i don't know 40 and still living with his mother and i lived with them both and he didn't really have a job that was like consistent or a car that was consistent or nothing in his and his life was very consistent or stable. I grew up craving stability. Stability is like my number one thing that makes me feel secure in life, obviously. I mean, I don't know how people can just run free through life like that, like he did. And the recklessness of who he was wasn't as exciting as like what people see, like Aladdin. Aladdin seems exciting and romantic and charming and cunning and all this other things, but to me, he just seems reckless. How are you living your life like that, you know? And so that's how I saw my father was very um, charismatic, but also just, I don't know, an unstable human being. And then with his drug use and everything else, I don't know, I I hate to say it, but I grew up seeing my dad as a loser. Even as a young age, I never found that to be cool. Even as a young age, like rolling up his joints for him because I have tiny fingers and was never like, oh, you know what's cool? Weed. No, I was never, <laughs> I was never that person. I never, maybe it's because I was raised in church and that was by my grandparents and they let me go to church every Sunday and they told me how drugs were bad and all these other things. And I mean, I don't necessarily think that, you know, weed's bad anymore. I mean, honestly, I think it just should be legalized everywhere. However, my dad was doing way more than weed. Um, 
but I've never really um, found those things to be the things that interested me. I've never really had advice. And people ask me why that is, you know, why I, I never try. Like, I've tried weed, but, like, I've never tried anything else. Or it took me a very long time. I was actually 23 before I even tried weed. But um, I think it's because I saw what his lifestyle could lead me into without having to be in his lifestyle. Like, I saw that he was he wasn't, I don't know, successful or happy or any of the things that I wanted that I strive for in life that I wanted to be he wasn't he wasn't those things he wasn't a responsible person he wasn't something that I could depend on or rely on he wasn't buying my school clothes or you know buying me birthday gifts or even remembering those things mattered or you know whatever he was just Living life in a way that wasn't necessarily beneficial to his daughter. And I mean, now as I'm older now, I'm 29 years old and my dad's been dead for a while now. Do I hold those things against him? As an adult, I can see how he was just a human that was making bad choices But as a child, as the child that lives inside me, there's a lot of resentment there, sure. And I mean, I just said my dad passed away. But I want to get to that story eventually. So in the beginning, I lived with my dad and his mother, my grandma Kona. And I lived with them Monday through Thursday. And then I lived with my dad's dad and his wife, my step-grandmother. But I call her my grandmother because she raised me. My my dad's dad and his wife on Friday through Sunday until I turned about 9 or 10. And my grandparents moved to Mississippi where I live now. Well, not exactly where I live now, but they moved to Mississippi and I moved with them. And I really only saw my dad two or three times after that. And I mean, I'm not going to say that I really saw him when I was younger But, I mean, thinking back, you know, you always think back and you remember the good things. That's actually something that your brain does for you is they protect you from the trauma. Your brain protects you from your trauma. And so, like, whenever you remember history of a person, it tends to only give you the good parts of it because it doesn't want you to relive that trauma, which is a bummer because I feel like, my memories that I have of him are all good, even though I know that they weren't. I know that they were very sparse. It was very far and in between. And I don't say that in a way to, like, be mean to him. Not at all. I mean, he sat out on the porch and watched me do thousands and thousands upon thousands of front handsprings in the front yard, trying to do it over and over and over and landing on my back or landing on my butt until I finally did it. And he's taken me to get a, I remember getting a slushy from 7-Eleven or a Slurpee, a Slurpee from 7-Eleven. Or I remember us going bike riding together or him teaching me how to ride a bike. And It's funny, these memories that I have of him, because he, 
I remember him tucking me in at night before he'd go out to hang out with all of his friends and go get high or go get whatever. And those are the memories that I weirdly remember more than the times that he got in a fight in the front yard and a guy hit him with a brick. Or more than the times where I had a beer bottle thrown through my window because someone was mad at my dad. Or like more than, you know, I just, I can't say that I remember a lot of the bad times are kind of fuzzy. It's weird that they're fuzzy. Because I wish they weren't. I wish I could remember exactly why I was so mad at him. <laughs> because I'm, I still have a lot of things that I'm mad about that I'm not even sure why I'm mad anymore. And that's frustrating because you can't talk to him about him because he's dead. And he he tried in his ways that he knew how they just weren't successful ways when a reckless person tries they can't just all of a sudden become stable and i had to have stability i needed i needed the stability of life and honestly my grandparents didn't really give me that either like we moved to mississippi and ran away from debt, and we we had to do it again to in Louisiana, and then they had to do it again when they moved to Miami. And I'm not really sure if they were meaning to do that. That's that's my look on it is that they were running from you know things like that. I I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe I don't know. As an adult, you see things differently. And I can't say if I know that that is also the right answer, but that's the answer that I understand. And so not necessarily my grandmother isn't exactly stable mentally either. She, um, I think, I think she has major bipolar disorder. Um, I think she thought it was depression for a while, but I think as she's became an adult, you know, not, not became an adult, but as she's grown older and you begun to understand more about different things like that. I mean, she's like 80 something now and she's just now, I think, understanding that her, it's bipolar disorder. She's, I'm pretty sure it's bipolar disorder. Anyway, so living in that household with her being bipolar was also a challenge with stability. And what I didn't know what I was walking into every day was very anxiety-filled. I can't say that I had a lot of anxiety growing up. However, I can't say that I didn't. I think I hold my anxiety differently than most people do because I put it way back in the back burner because anxiety, again, isn't stability. Um... My grandfather was very, I'm not going to say he was quiet, because he wasn't necessarily quiet. He was a talker. He talked. He said things. He had conversations. He told stories and things like that. But he wasn't confrontational. My grandfather was a non-confrontational person. And that frustrated me a lot as well. Because when my grandmother was on a rampage, I felt very... um not alone, but not necessarily backed up either. He 
really would just let her be on her rampage and tire herself out like a toddler with a tantrum. And a lot of the times we just dealt with it. We just had to deal with how she, how she was acting or whatever. And I feel like sometimes that wasn't the best source. That wasn't the best way to go about things. And he would just leave. He would just leave the house. And I would have to leave too if I, if I didn't want to be around it. And I'm not necessarily sure that those were the best answers either. Um, I would get frustrated with him being like that and not like making her stop. But at the same time, I guess making her stop would be controlling and he was never that. My grandfather was never controlling. He was very much go with the flow, do what you want to do type of a person. He never, if I asked if I could do something or if I asked if I could go somewhere, if I asked if someone could come over, it was never no. It was always yeah. Everyone always just told me yes growing up. Or I'm not saying everyone, but my grandparents did. And I wonder if they did that because they felt sorry for me or they felt bad that I didn't have parents or that they had to raise me or that they saw me as something to be told yes to because I didn't get a life that was normal. I'm not really sure, but they just always told me yes. And so I never really (laughs) understood the word no exactly because, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing in a way. I mean, I'm not saying that I did things anyway when people told me no or not. It's just that I always tend to get what I want, even as an adult now, because the word no doesn't really phase me. And it it was never a a stopping moment. It was like, okay, I'm going to figure a way around it, or I'm going to figure a way to do something else or whatever. Oh, no, you don't want to publish my book. That's fine. I'll do it myself. Like it was just very much, I never stopped from getting what I wanted in the end. And I don't mean that in like harmful ways or anything like that. Like I'm not saying that when a girl says no, you just ignore or anything like that. I'm just saying in my life, I never let walls block me from getting to where I wanted And it's funny because now I'm teaching my son the very solidifying word no. And I've done it his whole life. And I wonder when someone tells him no as he gets out into the real world. Like, I always say that, you know, to teach a man to take no for an answer, his mother has to be the one to teach him what no means. Because the first woman that he has to learn how to respect is his mother. And if he doesn't respect her, he won't respect other women. And so I've always made sure that my son respected me. So then whenever he was out in a bar and a girl told him no, he understood that that it meant no. But also it makes me wonder if if he's out in the world or a business or a, a thing he wants to do. If someone tells him no, will he just give up? You know, I'm going to become a musician. No. Is he just going to give up on his me? And on his music dreams, I, I don't know because no one really ever told me no growing up, and I told myself no more than anyone else, honestly. 
because I strived to be stable. I strive to be consistent. And so even, I think that's why at an early age I got married so young. is because Jeremy felt very consistent to me. He felt very stable. He made me feel safe. And those are things that I didn't necessarily have in my life growing up. And so I knew that that's what I wanted. And so I got married at 15. And if you listen to this whole story, I don't mention my mother. It's because she didn't have any say out of anything because I had never met her. See, my mother called me randomly throughout my life and we would talk. But I never met her. And she was always this person that was just on the phone or on, you know, you know how you meet someone online and they're just online. And she lived in Hawaii at the time as I was younger. And she finally moved to uh, Alabama now. But throughout my whole life, she lived in Hawaii. And she always wanted me to come visit Hawaii. And as a young child, I could never understand going to visit her by myself. I could never talk myself into it. Maybe I was scared. I'm going to say I was probably scared. But the way I saw it is if I wanted to go home, there's a whole ocean between us, between me and home. And I couldn't see myself going over there and getting a stomach ache or going over there and getting scared or going over there and, you know, being in a weird town with a weird person. And even although she was my mother... I didn't know her, and so I just couldn't see myself doing those things and being okay with the situation I was in, and I don't know if that was really my anxiety or not, but I know as a child that that seemed scary, and so I would never do it, and growing up, she always told me that that hurt her feelings, that I would never come visit, but the thing is, is I was the child and she was the adult and if she wanted to meet me she could come see me where I was especially when I moved away from my father because I could understand her not wanting to be with my father or being within the same distance of him or whatever but I moved to Mississippi when I was 10 and I didn't meet her until I was 26 and there were opportunities to meet her I met my sister when I was 19 or maybe I was 18. I can't even remember anymore on her side. And so, like, when I think about meeting my mother back then, I understood why I was cautious about it, why I didn't want to go across an ocean to meet her. And as I got older, and I had the ability to, because, of course, she moved to Alabama, and I drove there to meet her, it was still me that had to make the step to drive. And so I did it, and now we're building a relationship, and um, that is also on my terms, in a way, because I've taken so much control of my life that everything now is just about on my terms, or my mine and my husband's terms, because he, we're in this partnership together, and... I'm very blessed or I'm very lucky to have a man that offers me so much, I don't know what the word is, comfort, so much love that maybe I 
never felt like I ever had in my life. My grandparents did a really good job at making me feel special. I will say that they have done a great job at making me feel special and loved when nobody else in my life did. And I will always be grateful to the love that they gave me. But Jeremy's love is different in the way that I need it how he has it. I don't think I'll ever be able to explain the person that Jeremy is to me, to someone else. And so when I met my mother, she weirdly was everything that I thought she would be. Not in the best ways, but in the most realistic ways. She was, she's very, um, her way of speaking is very brash and very, um, rough around the edges, not in accent, but in delivery. (laughs) It's very, um, I don't know, knife cutting. She doesn't necessarily mean to be harsh, but her words are very sharp and she's very impatient, doesn't have patience at all. Very um, straightforward and bossy. And it's funny because growing up, as I got older, everyone used to tell me, for someone that wasn't raised by her, you act just like her sometimes. And I can see where they say that because I am also very... I am also very um, blunt. And I can be controlling. And I think that we have those same attributes because she was an orphan in Korea and her life was very much, she had to control it herself or it wasn't, you know, there was no control to it. She got married to my dad and moved to St. Louis and my dad was never very stable. And my mother had to learn English at 23 through watching Sesame Street. And so like, I could see where she would, be very controlling in how she wanted her life to be because I understand that completely. I am the same way. And, but the thing is, is she has a lot of guilt and love for me. And I have a lot of resentment and love for her. It's weird how love can be unconditional You don't really think of it that way. You always think, oh, well, I love someone within these conditions. And if they piss me off or if they hurt me or if they do this or if they do that, then I just don't love them anymore and I'm going to cut them off and I'm never going to talk to them again and blah, 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 blah. But you don't really realize how unconditional love actually is until maybe you think about your parents or you think about your children. Because... As much as my dad didn't do a great job with raising me, when he died, I still cried because I still loved him. It still hurt because I still loved him. And even with my mother and me not ever meeting her until I was 26 and me being very mad at her because I didn't meet her until I was 26 or that she never came back or she didn't raise me or that I felt like she never loved me enough or all of those things, like... It's funny because 
I weirdly still wanted her approval when she saw me. And I weirdly still wondered what she was like. And I still argued with her. And I still, you know, there's so many different things. And I still allow her in my life because at the end of the day, a child's love for their parents is possibly the closest thing to unconditional as I have. My love for my parents is the closest thing to unconditional that I have. Except for my son. My love for my son is as unconditional as love could be. And so I understand that his love for me is very much the same as my love for my parents. Because as much as I'm mad at them, or as much as I resent them, or as much as they hurt me, there's love there. And it might be broken love. And it, it, I mean, with my mother, there it's definitely was broken love. It was heartbreak, you know? And slowly that's mending into a mature love that isn't necessarily mother and daughter as much as it is friendship because she didn't raise me and so I can't necessarily have that mother daughter love that maybe she has for me because even though she didn't raise me I could understand her love for her child because I have love for my child and I understand what that what that love feels like And it's funny because now as a 29-year-old raising a 13-year-old, he'll be 13 in February, which is so bizarre. Gosh, it's so weird. I can see how time flies by in a way that, like, maybe she didn't notice how crucial those parts and those times in your life were, but it What is confusing sometimes is that she was an orphan growing up and essentially my grandparents raised me on my dad's side. So essentially someone just adopted me. And I mean, she said she left me with him because he had family. And that part I understand. Like I grew up with some cousins and I grew up with, you know, with Christmas and I grew up with things like that. And it probably wasn't things that she could offer me when she left. And I mean, now there's things that she can offer me and she's trying to, she's doing her best to make up for the lost time. And I'm doing my best to let her do that. Um, when I had Chaz was the last time I saw my dad. I can't remember why he made me so angry and that's frustrating which is funny because I can't remember most of my childhood in a way like I can't remember birthday parties and I can't remember there's so many things that I can't remember about it about my childhood I can't remember a lot of school time I can't remember a lot of the I can't I don't know I just can't recall them and so like I was so mad at him I think it might be because he tried to hook me up with his uh, drug dealer son, who was a lot older than me. I think that was the last time I saw him before last. Or 
I I don't know. No, I think it might be because he started, he was getting um, child support money from my mother, even though he didn't necessarily deserve it because my grandparents raised me. But he said he would give me half of it. And I think maybe it was then, around that time, that he decided that he wasn't going to give me half of the money anymore. I can't really remember. There's a few different things that happen. But um, either way, I was very mad at him. And I was talking to him on my terms. And I say that because I would talk to him on the phone. But I didn't want to see him. I was pregnant with Chaz when I was 16. And I started giving birth. And I don't know who calls him and tells him. I guess it's my grandparents that call him and tell him. Because my grandparents were on their way to the hospital to meet Chaz and everything. And I guess they called my dad to tell him that I was giving birth. Because he came from St. Louis down to Mississippi to meet Chaz. And I don't know if I'll exactly regret this. I don't know if I regret it or not or if it just is what it is. But whenever he came down, I didn't know he was there necessarily. I was having to do my walks through the hospital because that's what they make you do when you give birth and you're in the hospital. They make you walk around every once in a while. And so I was doing my walk arounds and I see him. And it's weird because he looks exactly the same as when he's all, when I've ever seen him. He never changed in my life. Like, he's always looked exactly the same. So is my grandfather when I think about it. Like, they always look exactly the same. Me and my friend, Selena, she's my best friend since I was four years old. We we were talking about that the other day is how, like, my grandfather never changed in the way he looked. And neither did my dad. I remember seeing him in the little cafe or whatever. And I was like, I need to go back to my room right now. And as I'm walking back, he says my name and he sees the back of my head because I had already turned around. And that's really the last time he saw me. I never see him after that. And when he asked me if he could see Chaz or if he could come to my room, I wouldn't let him. And I said, you can look at him through the window just like every other stranger. Because that's what you're going to be to him. Because I'm not going to let you in his life. And that's rough. Like, that's rough. He went to Tunica instead. Him and my grandparents went to Tunica and went gambling instead. And he never saw him in real life. He never got to see Chaz in person. And I'm not sure that that was exactly the right thing to do. But... I just knew how much that man had hurt me. I'm going to (laughs) cry. I just knew how much he had affected my life. And maybe it's because I wasn't old enough to understand where he was coming from. But I knew how much he had hurt my life. And I just didn't want it to be like that with Chaz. I didn't want him to have the disappointments that I had from him. Or the influence of like his lifestyle I didn't want him to be introduced to it I didn't want because he had no problem you know doing those things in front of me as a child and so I just 
didn't want him to see that as part of his family. (laughs) And even as a, a baby, I just, he wouldn't have remembered, but I would have. And so, I guess after Tunica, he went back to St. Louis. Because I never saw him after that. I don't, I'm not sure. I think Jeremy ran him off, honestly. I don't know. And I think I sent him pictures. But he never saw him. He never met him in person. And I... (laughs) I'm not sure if I regret that or not. I don't think I do. I don't think I regret it because like growing up now, even if he was alive now, I'm not sure that I would want him to influence Chaz. I'm not sure I'd want him in Chaz's life <laughs> because I I wouldn't want Chaz to see that and get a different conclusion than I got. Because it isn't, it wasn't, he wasn't good. It wasn't a good a good way of life. It wasn't a good way of living. It was he was stealing from the people that loved him and he was conning them and he was talking, you know, he was telling lies and I always knew he was a liar and I always knew when he was lying to me, but I didn't want my child to be lied to. Or to be taken advantage of or to be manipulated because there are times when he would get angry at my grandparents or something like that when I lived in St. Louis and he wouldn't let me see them or he wouldn't let me go over there or things like that and I try really hard because with I have in-laws now (laughs) and my husband's mother loves Chaz so much I'm so blessed to have her as Chaz's nana. I've always tried, even when I was super angry at her, to not punish Chaz and her's relationship because of my relationship with her, because she loved him and she was never doing anything to hurt him or, and she wasn't like, she didn't do bad things or things that I would be scared for my child to be around. And she offered the same security as, you know, I would in his life. And so I was never worried about his well-being and things like that. And so I tried really hard not to be the one that used him as a power move. I was never like, I didn't want him to feel like he was being withheld from her to be punished in a way. Wow. That brought up some weird feelings. I don't I'm I'm sorry that I got so emotional during this. Um I can't really say that it's funny because you think you put those feelings to bed. Like I said, he's been dead for years, almost a decade maybe. And those feelings still affect me fit, you know, presently. Obviously, if I talk about them, I still get upset. And 
a lot of people might not be able to relate to that. A lot of people might not be able to understand because, like, my husband can't. He doesn't understand. I mean, as I've gotten older, I've been able to explain it a little bit better. But his parents are still married happily. And he comes from a very stable home environment. It's funny. Because, like, as I've gotten older, I have started to want to connect with my dad's sister. Which I feel like as I was a child, I didn't really get the opportunity to do that. And I think partially it was because there was family drama that I wasn't aware of when I was a child between people within the family with my grandparents and them. And I can understand why there was the tension that there was. And I mean, I definitely can understand my aunt's point of view. It's funny because as I've gotten older, I've understood that we're more alike than maybe anybody else in the family. Me and my aunt Tina, or that's how I feel. I feel very like she's very relatable to me and um I look up to her a lot as like the person that is in my family that I feel like is the I don't know the most influential to me would be her and she's like the I don't know not I guess she's the aunt that I never got to have (laughs) even though she is my real aunt because I didn't get to really experience that growing up as much as I would have liked. And so I try my best to um, feel that or include that within my life. I try, I put my efforts in there. It's funny because I was also, like, I also had my cousins and stuff on my step-grandmother's side because, you know, my dad's dad, my step-grandmother raised me. And so I also had her family on that side. And growing up, I was always closer to maybe those cousins than I was my real cousins. Because, again, there was family drama that I didn't that I didn't know of or I wasn't aware of growing up. And so I got to know those cousins more just because of the lack of family drama, I guess. And... Those cousins, it's weird how families view things. Because growing up, I saw one person in my family as, like, the person I looked up to. And now as an adult, it's someone else. (laughs) And that's okay. I mean, you realize you realize different things as you get older. And I appreciate my Aunt Tina for the things that she's done for me and the insight she's given and, you know, the um, advice she has and how, I don't know, open she's been with me as... Not, it's more like a mentorship in a way. I try, um, 
I think I have, like, it's not necessarily abandonment issues, but it's more like I have role model issues. <laughs> I don't necessarily have daddy issues because it's both my parents, so it is what it is, but I've always had, like, um, as a child, it was very pick-me personality because, like, I felt like no one really did. <laughs> With adults, like, no one really picked me because everyone, no one really wanted me. I remember growing up, uh, as a teenager, I was at a school dance and there was this girl that didn't like me because I was dancing with her boyfriend at the dance. And I didn't realize that it was her boyfriend until some other girl came up to me and I was like, you know, she's date, he's dating so-and-so. And I was like, well, I don't see her around. And he asked me to dance. So, I mean, it is what it is. And... Like, there was a fight that was had or whatever, and then we're in the lunchroom, and kids can be mean, man. They can be so mean, but she was sitting at her table, and she goes up to leave, and she's like, yeah, Derek doesn't want her, just like her parents don't want her, and that's why she has to live with her grandparents. And, like, if that wasn't the the most hit me in this insecurities thing someone could have said, I don't know what was. Because, man, oh, my God, that hurt my feelings so bad. Because that's what it felt like. Like, it, I mean, the, on at the end of the day, that's that's what it felt like to me. And so, like, growing up, it was very much like no one picked me. <laughs> my grandparents got stuck with me. And, like, now as I'm an adult, they made me feel so wanted I just didn't understand that as a child, you know? Like, they made me feel so wanted and so special, and I will always be grateful to how they made me feel because other people in my life didn't make me feel that way. Until Jeremy, and Jeremy makes me feel that way. So I'm also so thankful and grateful to him for making me feel like he picked me, he loves me, he chose me. <laughs> Quoting Meredith over here. But as a person that didn't ever feel that way, those feelings are important. And those are reasons why I try to make sure so hard that Chaz feels so stable. He has no clue. He has no clue how stable his life is compared to mine (laughs) or how just um easy his life is compared to mine or like he's almost 13 now and I'm not gonna say he's sheltered but he's definitely ignorant to how lives could be or how things could be and it's not necessarily, I mean, it's frustrating sometimes because he doesn't understand the gift that I'm giving him. He probably won't understand until he gets older, and that's okay. Eventually he'll know. Eventually he'll understand. So yeah, that that was my home life growing up. I don't really know where this went. I could tell you a bunch of different stories if you're interested. And if you're a person out there that doesn't have a home life that's great. If you feel like people don't understand how you feel, 
because you don't have a dad to take you to the father-daughter dance or you don't have a mom to do the mommy and me retreats or things like that. And so you never told anyone that you ever wanted to go to one because, like, what would be the point? I get it. And as you get older, the pains from the past are very, they dull. They get, they get less, they get less sharp. They get less, you know, less painful. Obviously, (laughs) I've opened up a can of emotions that I wasn't aware that I was going to open up today, but I guess that shows y'all how real I want to be with you guys. And if this was relatable to you or if this helped you out in any way, I'd love to hear about it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this, please like, follow, subscribe, do what you got to do to keep up with us. And we will see you next time. Thanks. This is Belinda and you've listened to Swear to God.